This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Bulls. When Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister, he had a majority of 70, and now he has a majority of 69 after the whip was suspended from former Health Secretary Matt Hancock. Katie, what's the scandal? Yes, so this is a a story we've had once before, which is Tory MP decides to go and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And both times it has ended in the whip being suspended. First, it was Nadine Doris several years ago under David Cameron when Andrew Mitchell was the chief whip. And this time around, it is Matt Hancock. So this morning, the news broke and it was the son that broke the news that Matt Hancock will be going on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And I think it was pitched by Matt Hancock's people as, you know, positive news that lots of people could get behind. Maybe something to cheer the nation during it after a few, you know, quite difficult months and difficult months to come. Um, but then less than an hour after the news had broken I mean I think as soon as it broke lots of people said well what does that mean in terms of the whip because of what happened in Nadine Doris is it really a sustainable situation and then the new chief whip Simon Hart has uh, issued a statement in which he said that um, he decided this had warranted immediate action so the whip has immediately been suspended and you now have a situation where um, Matt Hancock has lost the whip, but allies of Matt Han- Hancock are very keen to ultimately say that he, he is still doing the right thing. So one political ally um, told Coffee House and, and others, Matt has told the whips in Parliament that he will use his time in the jungle to promote his dyslexia campaign. Matt has an excellent team working for him in West Suffolk, but producers have agreed that he can communicate with them if there's an urgent constituency matter. So it doesn't sound like, um, you know, a drop in surgery. I think there's a more a pure crisis. But if um, it was a drop in surgery, wouldn't it fly them out to the jungle? Then? I mean, I would definitely watch that. They add, politicians like Matt must go to where the people are, particularly those who are politically disengaged. Matt's of the view that we must embrace popular culture rather than looking down on reality TV. We should see it for what it is a powerful tool to get our message heard by younger generations. Now, I think if we just go to the the context of this, Matt Hancock was very keen, I think, to get in the photo last week when Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister. Matt Hancock backed Rishi Sunak over the summer, more recently, when Rishi Sunak gave the speech, or, or, or not so much a speech, sorry, when Rishi Sunak appeared outside Conservative campaign headquarters um, the day that uh, he was announced to be the new Tory leader yet to be appointed Prime Minister there was a big photo up and you could see Matt Hancock trying to get you know in vision he did not win any role in the reshuffle and I think it's interesting that allies Matt Hancock said well he, he doesn't think he's going to serve in government again so he is free to do this now I think there's a question which is regardless of being a minister should a Tory MP be going on a reality TV show like this Rishi Sunak's government have taken the view that the answer is no and I think where Matt Hancock could come into trouble in terms of his desired aim, apparently, to promote his dyslexia campaign, and we don't yet know what he is or isn't being paid, though this may help with the book he is coming out in terms of publicity, is that ultimately our view is going to be interested uh, more in Matt Hancock's dyslexia campaign, or are they going to want to hear more about his, you know, 
personal view after that extramarital affair, which was ultimately the reason he left government, which uh, meant there was you know a breach of COVID rules, and also what he eats in these various bush tucker trials. You don't get to choose what the public see or what they're most interested in. Fraser, what did you make of it? Matt Hancock, as Katie says, also has a book coming out fairly soon called The Pandemic Diaries, The Inside Story of Britain's Battle Against COVID. Is there something more behind this? I don't think so. I think this is a fairly straightforward pattern of a politician trying to turn notoriety into celebrity. Matt Hancock has uh, been um, very bravely trying various re-entries into politics, but it's got to the stage now that uh, after he resigned as health secretary because he was found em- embracing one of his advisors at a time where he was passing laws making it illegal for anybody else to embrace anybody they weren't married to, there was outrage of a level of which has not subsided. So every now and again he'll he'll use Twitter and he'll try to say tweet some political point. And then everybody is straight, or the replies are absolutely caustic. And that, unfortunately, has set the pattern for his, um, for his return to government. He isn't being forgiven. He was quite a, quite a survivor, Matt Hancock. He did lots of high ministerial offices, but now he's become synonymous with the imposition of outrageous lockdown laws, while at the same time of not observing them himself. So if he wasn't going to come back into politics under Boris Johnson, under Liz Truss, under Rishi Hancock, under anybody, then what is he going to do? So the biography roots with, interestingly, with Isabel Oakeshott. Now, Isabel Oakeshott was not the biggest fan of, of lockdown regulations, so it would be interesting to see how that collaboration between them works out. But what you what you then try to do is you make yourself into a sort of a, a celebrity. And um, and after Nadine Dorries went on to cele- I'm a Celebrity, you know, she went on to have quite a successful book writing career. People often forget just how many books she has sold. Um, she has succeeded in curating, making a decent living by herself, by curating a personality, an image, a brand outside of Westminster. I imagine that's what Matt Hancock is shooting for, and it's a familiar political pattern. I'm not so sure that he'll be successful because I think it will take some, quite some time before he is forgiven for those um, lockdown regulations he passed. Let's turn now to the government's handling of asylum seekers at the Manston Processing Centre. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, said yesterday in the Commons that Britain was facing an invasion on its southern border. Katie, that hasn't gone down particularly well, not least maybe with some of Suella's colleagues in the government. Yes, I think you saw Suella Braverman ultimately face the music in the chamber and she's on fire on two fronts at the moment. The first is obviously security breaches. Um, that was the initial problem when Rishi Sunak reappointed her less than a week after she was forced to resign over using a personal email to, to share a, a document. And she then had to admit yesterday that she had done this on more than one occasion. But when she appeared in the chamber, this was uh, regarding the other issue, which I think is potentially the one which is much more serious in terms of both her future and, and the government, which is how she is handling the issue of migration and migrant centres. She is accused of ignoring uh, legal advice and not doing enough to ultimately avoid a situation at Manston Migrant Centre, which has seen a disused airport that normally has a capacity of 1,600, have 4,000 people stuck there. And 
she tried to answer those questions. In doing so, you saw Suella Braveman actually um, really ramp up the rhetoric. So she talked about, you know, the South Coast uh, being the subject of an invasion. And that, um, that was scripted as well, as far as I can see, Katie, because obviously we know that when Suella goes, when she ad lips, she can throw in some quite explosive phrases. But this, she seemed to come to the House of Commons with the word invasion as part of her statement. Yes, and she also, I think it felt as though she did not say by accident that ultra-migration had got out of control, mm. which is quite an astonishing thing to hear from a Home Secretary who's supposed to be in control of it after 12 years of, uh, you know, the Tories being in power. 12 years of Tory Home Secretary. So, and, and you know, I, I was thinking back to the old Yes Minister episode where there's a joke about what what's the purpose of Ministry of Defence? It's to make you feel defended, not to defend, to make you feel safe. The purpose of a Tory Home Secretary ought to be to make people feel as if a country's borders are being defended and the streets are safe. But here we have quite the extraordinary and by the way, I think true disclosure by a Tory Home Secretary that immigration control is has collapsed in this country. We can no longer defend the borders. So I'm not, I think this will be a quote that will be used against the Tories for some time to come. And I think what it showed was Suella Braveman was ultimately talking very tough, using language that's quickly been um, by even some Tories within the party. And as you say, I think there's private discomfort amongst ministers that this was inflammatory, divisive, and actually a, a dangerous game to play. But if you look in the chamber, she actually received a pretty positive reception from her Tory colleagues. So you had Roger Gale being critical, but Roger Gale is the person who's going out the most and every time is being more and more critical. He is the centre in his constituency. Um, but the higher number that of MPs who are going public are ones who are being supportive of Suella Braverman for now, just which I think just reflects the different wings in the party. So you had um, Tory MPs on the right of the party lining up yesterday to ultimately say, yes, Suella Braverman, you're so brave. The reason that there are all these people trying to get rid of you and have these attacks on you is because you're the only person who's really uh, going to try and take this issue seriously, one that no one has grasped before, apparently no Tory um, Home Secretary. If you, if you look at the extension of the logic, I think in terms of where this leads to out of Braveman, so there's a few things. The attacks on Suella Braveman are not going to start. There's obviously the security question. I think the one that I think is more serious regards the Migrant Centre and she, the question is, did she mislead the House? I think that, as Labour quickly pointed out, um, in terms of the exact phrasing she used, they think she might have enough leeway that she didn't block the use of hotels that are already there but is a different thing perhaps procuring new accommodation which is uh, something of, we're hearing reports that Suella Braveman actually she spoke pretty openly in the chamber about how she uh, questioned how much money you should be spending on hotels for these people coming over there is a political issue which is you sit in the press gallery as I did yesterday and you look at these Tory MPs who are rallying around Suella Braveman even if Rishi Su- Sunak wanted to uh, let go of Suella Braverman, he would have a big political problem in terms of internal Tory party dynamics. And Suella Braverman yesterday made this an issue in lots of comments. And I think, as Fraser says, much of this was scripted. I think she went in there to say that she didn't plan to go anywhere. Others wanted to get rid of her because she takes the issue seriously and to amp up that rhetoric. And that means that were Downing Street and at the moment we don't have a suggestion that they are though we know that some in government are growing a bit nervous to try and push Suella Braveman out you would have a fight on your hands with the right of the party and that is in large reason that Rishi Sunak gave Suella Braveman such a big job and in the in the first place to try and have this unity cabinet. 
Fraser, Robert Jenrick, the immigration minister, took the broadcast around this morning and in response to the words invasion, here's what Robert Jenrick had to say. In a job like mine, you have to choose your words very carefully Indeed. and I would never demonise mm -hmm. people coming to this country well, in, in pursuit of a, of a better life. Fraser, you wrote in a blog post this morning that Robert Jenrick is one of Rishi Sunak's closest allies. What's the dynamic between Jenrick and Suella Braverman? Well, Robert Jenrick is two things. First of all, he's probably the, um, the Prime Minister's closest friend in politics. I thought it was quite significant that rather than going to the Cabinet, he was made Immigration Minister under Suella Braverman. And th therefore, he will be the Prime Minister's, speak with the Prime Minister's voice in a far more measured way. And also, he knows um, Suella quite well. The two of them were at Cambridge together in the student union days. And he will know that she is more fiery in her language and he is a lot calmer. His, his um, unkind souls refer to him as Robert Generic. But the point is that he is a kind of a minister who is a dowser, somebody who will take a fiery situation and calm it, whereas she is not famous for calming any situations. She's there to project passion, purpose, fire, and historic controversy. Now, obviously, I think they take different positions on this. He has said that he wouldn't use words like invasion because that betrays them as the enemy, and he doesn't think you should betray asylum seekers in that way. She will say, let's not all pretend these are asylum seekers. A lot of them are Albanians coming here illegally, and some of them for criminal purposes. So we've got two very different ways of describing the problem. Now, Right now, you could, you could, a flattering interpretation is to say that this is deliberate, but they're intended to be good cop and bad cop. That any Tory prime minister, any prime minister, needs a home secretary who's sounding tough, very tough, on illegal immigration. I remember David Blunkett would do the same job for, for Tony Blair sometimes, just use language that would get him in trouble with some circles. Margaret Thatcher in 1979 said that Britain was in danger of being swamped by immigrants. That word swamped was again hugely controversial, but what it did do was knock out the National Front from the contentions in the 79 election. Um, and they didn't do anywhere near as well as expected. So sometimes this incendiary language can serve a party political purpose by taking the wind out of the sails of would-be challengers in the right-wing populist parties. But of course, Robert Jenrick is not the person to do that. He's the person to calm things down, to go and visit, to try to say we understand these things, etc. So I, I think the two of them will coexist for quite some time, mainly because... Sunak cannot afford to lose a Home Secretary. If he does, it reflects badly on him because he knew exactly what Suella Braverman was like before he appointed her. For him to um, lose her because the critics are demanding her head would show that he can't keep a government together. Particularly because we are yet to have the autumn statement. And when you look at their uh, unity cabinet Sunak tried to uh, bring together, I think there is a sense that some of the things they're going to announce, and obviously there's always a bit of expectation management, but they think some of the things are going to be announced are unpalatable and so politically tricky. You need to bring as many wings of the party into the cabinet who are willing to help you front what will be tricky parts of this. And I think for Suella Braverman to be on the back benches at a time when, uh, you know, the Treasury are now suggesting, as of today, that everyone will see, uh, you know, tax rises uh, that would apply to everyone. I think to have someone like that on the back benches when you have, uh, you know, Emmys and right of the party who despite what happened in the not-so-many budget, are still not going to be delighted with this. They will still have reservations. It's a tricky thing to do, and I, I think you can see with Suella Braveman, uh, 
there is a view that she'll be important to go out there and, and bat for what they are going to have to announce. And then also figures such as, for example, Andrew Mitchell. Now, he is in the Foreign Office now. He is someone who is such a campaigner on foreign aid that if there is, you know, delayed or one of the places where there are cuts, and we don't know that yet, if you have someone like Andrew Mitchell's telling, you know, his base within the party, the One Nation MPs, you know, this is a tough decision, but I know they had the right intention. It helps it calm down. And I think that's the way of uh, looking at some of these appointments and therefore the particular desire to, to keep the cabinet together, not just because you don't want to have a resignation or a sacking in your first week or two, but because there, there is a bigger issue coming up the tracks. It's probably worth saying that Sunak might not be the Prime Minister if it wasn't for Suella Braverman. She was widely expected to back Boris on that Sunday. And when she came out and backed Sunak instead... That was a real swing vote, and um, because it made people think even the Boris loyalists don't want him to come back this time around. Now, if it was the case that she was offered Home Secretary in exchange for that endorsement, that would be a politically logical move for Sunak to make. So he would take her, knowing all the problems that would cause him, but also knowing that nothing else would take the wind out of Boris Johnson's sails more than recruiting his previous um, fiercest Praetorian. So I think he owes her, and I think that that can be seen now in the latitude which she thinks she's got, because she could have been a lot more careful with her language yesterday. She chose not to, because I think she would argue quite rightly, I think, that um, if it wasn't for her, then the Sunak ascendancy might not have taken place. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.